podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. We are here to break down a closer-than-we-thought-it-would-be 49ers win against the Los Angeles Rams. Talk a little bit about if we have any concerns from this game for the 49ers schedule going forward. Do a little hufunga cowabunga and some nitpicking, eking out a win, we're going to call it this week, I think. Daniel, how are you doing this Monday morning? I am good. That was I like I like the segment change there. I'm good. It's uh, always a good Monday when we are waking up with a W in our minds and in our hearts. So we are we as in the Niners are one of the only two and O teams in the NFL. I say only. There's a number out there. Um, we are the only ones in our division two and O. So that's nice. Off to a, a hot start with a two-game win streak in the NFC West. And that's what we love to see. Totally. As two, we, two and oh, as and we I, get into... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. 2-0, and oh, and I, I, I think the question is, are, are the Rams a good team, right? We went into this season thinking the Rams are kind of toast. They aren't very good. They have all these rookies. Defense isn't as good. Jalen Ramsey's gone. Cooper Cup's injured. And... The Rams came out and looked. They beat they beat the Seahawks in Week One. They they kicked the crap out of them, which we weren't were not expecting. But then it was like maybe the Seahawks are a bad team. The Seahawks just turned around and and beat the Lions, who who beat the Chiefs on opening football. So the Lions are a pretty good team. That means the Seahawks are probably pretty good. And I think that means the Rams are a good team. I mean, Matthew Stafford looked exactly as good as he was the year they won the Super Bowl. Sean McVay is still the NFL's second-best offensive mind after Kyle Shanahan. And Puka Nakua seems like he might just be the real deal. So I think it's going... I think in... In six weeks from now, we're going to be looking at the Rams as one of the NFL's better teams. And we're going to remember the theme of this win is that while it was close, the 49ers still comfortably put the Rams away. And it was never really in doubt after the end of the first half. So, I don't know, Daniel. What do you think? Are the Rams a good team? Yeah. uh, Yesterday was quite the... uh, I don't want want to say shocking game in a sense, but it was shocking on the side of, of the Rams team in the sense of... They came out last week, and they beat the Seahawks pretty dang good. We were surprised about that game. The Rams won 30-13, to and that is not at all what anyone I had talked to, or in my brain, what we had planned. I expected the Seahawks, who I thought were going to come out as a pretty good team. That defense got better through the draft. Another year of Geno uh, taking over, and you know there are some questions and concerns if he could do it, but another year of Kenneth Walker... And then getting Jackson Smith and Jigba and having him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that was not the team that showed up week one. But this Rams, this Rams offense is what we thought was just going to be horrible, especially without Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford had surgery and his arm was not where he used to have it this last year. Um, But he had a great, 
uh, rehab this offseason, and he came out firing. It is looking good. At 35 years old, he is looking pretty dang good. Um, so Matthew Stafford's slinging it big time. Um, Cooper Cup goes down, so we think they're screwed. But, oh, wait. Puka Nakua and got to give Tutu Atwell some love. Yeah, seriously. You you saw that he broke the record for most receptions in the first two games of any NFL receiver's career. Yeah, he looks he looks awesome. Just another example of the uh, the Hunter Renfro theorem of just draft good receivers. Don't worry if they test well. Just draft guys who were good in college because he's a guy who was who was really good in college. People liked his tape and then just had a really bad combine. And a lot of times NFL executives can't seem to to see past those bad combine tests, but it's kind of like, you yep. know, if he played really well in college, it doesn't always translate, but but sometimes it does, and Puka Nakua seems like like one of those guys. Timmy, can you think of anyone else that had a bad combine? I'm blanking, but I feel like you're you're fishing for an obvious answer here. My obvious answer is Tom Brady. Yeah, that's true. Tom Brady, terrible, <laughs> just, terrible just combine. Was, Brock, was Brock Purdy even at the combine? I don't know. Uh, probably not. Well, it's hard. I guess I don't know for quarterback rankings where they would be at the combine. And I, you know, I would only peek in on the top few. Um, but this Rams offense was legit in large part due to Puka Nakua, who had 20 targets for 15 receptions and 147 yards. Now, just to kind of bring that back down to earth a little bit. That's an average of 9.8 yards per catch. That's that's nothing crazy. And his longest was a 20-yarder. So he had a great game. And if you had him in fantasy, especially at PPR League, that's just about 30 points. Um, but that's because he's the best receiver out there and they chose to feed him the ball 15 times. He didn't necessarily do anything crazy with it yesterday he just got all of the volume totally and and I think you you hit on the the theme of how the Rams offense beat the 49ers this week it was quick game it was short passes dumps off to Kyron Williams those quick passes over the middle and that's what you do right when you're completely overmatched by the 49ers defensive line you get the ball out really really quick and the 49ers are going to play few quarterbacks who are as capable as doing that to the degree Matthew Stafford is because he's a vet and he's an awesome quarterback and few coaches who are as well equipped to scheme up ways to get the ball out so fast however other teams are going to notice hey the 49ers took a long time to lock down the Rams quick game so that's something to keep an eye on how Steve Wilkes adapts to that going forward because they the defense I I don't know if I'd say it was exposed but McVay clearly found a weakness in the 49ers defense are other teams and other coaches going to be able to take advantage of it to the same extent Sean McVay and the Rams were Probably not, but good teams might. Like the Kansas City Chiefs, if we play them in the Super Bowl or something, you know Andy Reid's going to have watched this game. So it's one of those things that Steve Wilkes better better start cooking up some ways in the lab to uh, to stop that quick game from gouging the 49ers to the extent the Rams did. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Cam Akers being out, I was chatting with one of my Rams friends Sunday morning before watching the game. And I was teasing him because Cam Akers is out, and I guess there's 
trade block, talk about him, and poor Cam Akers just never knows where he stands with this organization whatsoever. And then after week one, when Kyron Williams gets all these targets and all these uh, goal line attempts and looks, it just seemed that Cam Akers was out yet again. And I didn't quite buy it just because all the stock that I had seen came makers through the off season and, and getting ready for fantasy drafts and all that stuff. But Kyron Williams is it. He's their starter hands down. He's got four touchdowns in the first two weeks of the NFL season. If he is one on your fantasy waiver wire, you better grab him. Yeah, I didn't last week and I regret it. I have him, but I didn't start him because I thought the Niners defense was, was too good. That was wrong. I got Puka, and I didn't start him because I thought the Niners' defense was too good. Yeah, but I, I do think it's important the way we're talking about this. I, After the 49ers scored that touchdown at the end of the first half with the, the one second left, where was that the QB sneak they punched it in, but they where they scored and, got, and Brock got the touchdown? I don't think that was the sneak, but they got that touchdown with one second left, right? That was yeah. when I was like, okay, the 49ers are going to are gonna run away with this. And the final score was closer than the game was. Because that whole second half, it was it was never really in doubt for me. So even with all the things we're, we're saying, the 49ers were the better team out there. And if it turns out that the Rams are a pretty good team this year, this is going to be a win that we're happy with. So we are obviously here to... It, negative things sell better, and we want to critique the 49ers, but I'm not worried about them. Are you? No, I would not say I'm worried. Um, I, I liked where you were going with it, though. Um, I would really like to see a big game from Brock in the sense of this last week, yesterday, was 17 for 25. 25, not a lot of pass attempts. Granted, we are a big, run-heavy offense. And something else I just don't understand, um, kind of switching gears just a minute because I'm kind of realizing it now on the, on the stat sheet, where is Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason? That is not my a single biggest question. Attempt for them, not a single touch Christian for McCaffrey. any running back besides CMC. Why? In the hybrid, in the hybrid Debo Samuel. Well, exactly. Debo Samuel was the the change of pace back this game, which Debo's great. Like I love that, but everything we heard was they're, Mitchell is going to be not really involved in this offense. It's a marathon, not a sprint for Christian McCaffrey. Well, they are sprinting Christian McCaffrey, and I don't know. Maybe that'll be different since they play Thursday this week. They need to get Mitchell involved, but, I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan turn on players really fast, but there was nothing coming out of out of training camp that Shanahan was unhappy with Mitchell. I mean, maybe it's just McCaffrey's playing really, really well, and Shanahan likes the opportunities that he gives the offense and there's plays he feels he can only call with McCaffrey on the field but I don't know what is going on like this is just the exact opposite of the way the 49ers have handled the running back position in different years and the ways they've said they were going to handle it with with Christian McCaffrey this season but you're right McCaffrey was the only running back on this team who was involved in the offense at all and when they wanted to spell him they went with Debo which i i like i mean that that is probably the situation that gives the offense the most threatening power right but yeah what's going on i'm really i'm i don't know if i'm concerned i'm confused though I would, I'm saying very confused where they're not on the injury report. I haven't heard him talk about anything of them in their press conference. I'm assuming 
I just feel like we got to see something about it today. Um, that's a pretty big question why neither one of them. I get Jordan Mason, third string running back, not getting an attempt. He didn't last week. I just, I personally just disagree with that. I don't know why he wouldn't. But where is your backup running back? How do you only run Christian McCaffrey? And I get that it was a close game. We only won by one touchdown. So I get that you want CMC out there, but also Elijah Mitchell is not bad. And you got to give CMC a break at some point. I mean, he had 20 attempts. I wonder how many snaps and plays he was out there for, especially running a route. I just, I don't get, I don't truly get what was, what was wrong with the other backs or why, why they were off today. So, um, that's some of the confusion there, but I mean, there, there was still some, some wonderful aspects of this game of Christian McCaffrey getting a 50 yard, 51 yard run. Um, CMC getting a touchdown, Debo Samuel, Brock Purdy, all getting rushing touchdowns. Did you see the play I where like to see where George Kittle was out blocking in front of Debo, and that Debo outran Kittle and hit the defender first. Well, Debo, Debo slows up and is pointing. Is like Kittle, go go go, and Debo's still in stride, but you can see him ease up, and then I think he then changes his mind and says, "Well, I'm gonna go." He beats Kittle there and lowers his shoulder into this guy pretty well, but it drives him out of bounds. Or the the maybe fumble where he somehow managed to to stay in bounds. Debo is twenty twenty one, or was it was it twenty twenty two? Debo is twenty twenty one. Debo again, and it's awesome. Twenty one, yeah. And Brandon Ayuk got to call out Ayuk. Um, two two big things we noticed about Ayuk. Right, he had a great game, obviously. Wow, what a what a gutsy, tough performance. I mean, he was clearly in so much pain. I don't know if it was a shoulder or the, on the broadcast, they were saying a lot of neck massages going on on the sidelines, but he was clearly in a ton yeah. of pain. And because of that, he was not on the field every snap. But you know what, Daniel? When he was on the field, I think he was the first read every single time. I mean, Purdy looked his way when he was on the field almost every play. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot, even last season, in the offseason, definitely last week. But that, to me, cements Brandon Ayuk is this team's wide receiver one. I don't, I don't think there's a way around it. I mean, he was the guy Purdy looked to every single time he was on the field. I, don't, I, I think Brandon Ayuk is this team's top receiver, and I don't even know if it's questionable anymore. I think in the hierarchy well, of, of players, Debo is better because of his ability to make plays out of nothing. But in terms of being a receiver... I think Ayuk is this team's guy. Debo has beat out Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell for running back two. Yeah. So it makes sense that he's running back two and a wide receiver two. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, especially that first drive. Purdy and Ayuk had that connection rolling, and Brock was firing passes to Brandon Ayuk, and he was doing everything he could possibly to get that ball hauled in um, to march up the field. So that was an awesome opening drive. I loved that. I loved the connection there. And uh, even though, like, what I will say is uh, Ayuk only had six targets and three receptions. Debo Samuel had nine targets and six receptions. But I don't think that necessarily changes that Ayuk being the wide receiver one. And some of those receptions were out of the backfield too. Yeah. That's just play design. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I don't think it matters. I think Debo's still playing phenomenal, right? But it was 
definitely interesting. And just the way that, like, when Ayuk was on the field, he was clearly the guy that these plays were drawn up for. Really, really cool. Yeah, fun to see. The only thing, I'm I'm still dying for a George Kittle touchdown. It's time. I so know, I, it is. That might make its way into my bold predictions. It it definitely is. But overall, let's let's just tie a bow on the, the running back conversation. Do you see Mitchell being more involved? Are the 49ers just gonna lean on McCaffrey until he falls apart? What's your prediction of the, the outcome here? Um I think he has to be more involved. We have to see more of Elijah Mitchell. There was only the Niners ran the ball twenty eight times yesterday. Three of them were Brock Purdy. Five of them were Debo Samuel, and 20 was Christian McCaffrey for 116 yards, an average of 5.8 yards per attempt. Granted, he had a 15-1, 51-yard uh, rush, and so that was just under half his yards, and so that changes the average and the yard total, of course. But we've got to see more help. We've got to see other guys getting the ball. McCaffrey doesn't look to be beat up uh, during the game or at the end of the games. His arms are always scraped up. You can always see blood on his elbows, but he's fine. He'll take that. Um, we, but we have to see more help. We have to see other guys getting involved and then not just be Chris McCaffrey. And part of that, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I want to, I want to say that we didn't see them because it was a close game and we had to have Christian out there. But I believe enough in Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell, especially, to put them out there even when the game is close or when we, when we need a big run. So, I, I'm kind of at a loss. I don't know why not a single backup running back was in there, and we weren't expecting Elijah Mitchell to be a true backup as he was such a good starter last year until Christian McCaffrey came in. It would be more of a, not as much of a 1A, 1B as we've talked about in the past, but definitely more of a like two-thirds to one-third split here, and we are not seeing anything of that in the slightest. So that begs the question, we are obviously big fantasy football players, you and I, not the main topic of this podcast, but fun to sprinkle in a little things. If you are in a redraft fantasy football league, are you dropping Elijah Mitchell this week if you don't have Christian McCaffrey on the team? Yeah, absolutely. We I didn't even get I a think single I am opportunity too. yesterday. I think it depends I who's on waivers, choice. but yeah. He was essentially a healthy scratch without being scratched. Like he he did not I don't know I I want to see the snap count cuz I can't remember seeing him on the field for any other play, but he did not get to touch the ball once. And for fantasy purposes, it's okay to let you know Elijah Mitchell wouldn't be on a redraft league. He wouldn't be super high draft capital. He'd be higher than some of these other backup running backs. But if he's not getting the ball and he's healthy, yeah, go find, go get Kyron Williams. Go get somebody who's healthy and is, well, who's healthy and playing. Totally. All right. Any other thoughts on the, let's finish up talking the 49ers offense, shift over, shift over to what we thought about the defensive side of the ball. Um, what do you think of the offensive line play this week? I thought it was much better than last week, but some of that might be credited to Purdy getting the ball out really fast. He got the ball out really fast, but the times where he needed to take more time, he did. You made a comment saying uh, he was trying to see if Brandon Ayuk was option for the first read, um, and he wanted him as his option one, but he didn't always take it. And not that it doesn't take a quarterback 
a very long time at times to look off one receiver and find another, but they gave him just the right amount of time that he needed most of the time so that he could he could find a, a Kittle, a Samuel, whoever it was that wasn't Brandon Ayuk on that designed play. And he wasn't, I don't think, yeah, he took one sack. So I'll take that any day. Um, I don't think he had too many pressures in his face comparatively to, to what I feel like I'm used to seeing. I feel like Brock has had to run a lot. So I think, I think that they did a pretty dang adequate job yesterday. Totally, totally agree. One play I want to call out just where Brock Purdy has nerves of steel. Did you see the Aaron Donald comes bursting through the offensive line and is just right in Purdy's face? Purdy just delivers oh, yeah. a strike over the middle and then gets blown up. And I was just like, Geno Smith could never. I mean, this was the same. This was the Geno Smith, oh my God, play. And Purdy just stood in the pocket, delivered a strike, took the hit. Just that, that's why, that's the side of Brock Purdy that won Kyle Shanahan over so fast is just the the toughness, right? I wonder if Brock saw, I'm sure he saw that video of Geno Smith last week. And I'm wondering if he thought, you know what, that's going to happen to me this week and I'm just going to take it. Geno, I don't know. know. Geno's having a big run of uh, hot mic moments, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking to America. Yeah. He's talking to America. That was one of the best things I've ever heard a ref say. Was it the ref or was it Gino? Mm-mm. I thought it was Gino. So, G- no, Gino was arguing a call to the referee who had just turned his mic on and was going to talk to the stadium and the TV. Oh, that's so Gino's much better. Arguing, he's talking to him as he's about to talk. He like has said one sentence, and the ref stops and looks at Gino and he goes, "I'm talking to America." Oh, that's so much better. It was, I'll. I'll Find uh, I'll find the video clip on X after this and send it to you. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's shift over to how we thought the 49ers defense performed. We talked a little bit about how the Rams were able to to get some work done in the quick game. But despite that, the, the offensive line, I thought, was excellent. Did you see Javon Hargrave get through the line so fast that he almost broke up a, broke up a handoff? Yeah, he he was was uh, what's the word I want? He was more active this this game, I would say. Totally, a quieter game again from from Bosa, but I'm not. I don't know. Are you are you yeah. worried about it? What'd you think? No, I'm not worried. I just want to see more. Um, I do wonder if, cause I, I absolutely believe he was doing his own stuff before coming to camp, but I do wonder if it's a little slower start, uh, because of not a normal off season for him. Yeah. And you know, we could be jumping to conclusions. I bet he would just say, guys, can we all calm down? Here's a, uh, just hold on. Here's a stat. I don't love. Do you know how many sacks the 49ers had yesterday? One, one. Fred Warner, awesome sack. That was awesome. I mean, that's just a te- that's a testament to how good Stafford was in the quick game. He just got that ball out over and over and over again. I mean, he was hit a lot. Guys were in his face. Javon Kinlaw with an awesome pass breakup. So I'm not worried about the performance of the 49ers defensive line, but you would like to see more than more than one sack. And I think we will in most games. Like I said earlier, there are not many coach quarterback combinations that are going to be able to take advantage of the 49ers in the quick game the way Stafford and and McVay did I, I don't know if there's any other than probably Andy Marie Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes 
yeah, that's I mean that's always the exception in my mind. What I just loved is, I, whatever announcer I don't remember her name who who got to talk to Sean McVay and he's like, "Isn't this fun?" Or he said something like that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I think I did. He but he he said something like super casual, candid of like, "Oh man, this is fun. This is like what we love to see." And that just made me pause and think for a second because I don't remember how many years Kyle and Sean coached together. But it was a number of them. Oh yeah, they're they're Mike close Shanahan, friends. Right? I think they're they're very good friends. I know they're close friends. I'm sure they're not super good friends the week leading up or on game day. But I also feel like it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they still are. It's not like they put it to the side. And um, I think I think they have some fun with the rivalry. I think that they're like, oh, like if Sean's drawing something up, he's like, I wonder what I wonder what Kyle's gonna think of this play, or I just bet there was a lot packed behind Sean's comment of like, well, isn't this fun? Because he's like seeing the plays that Kyle's doing or seeing the ways that he's stopping Sean's plays or vice versa. And I just thought it was really fun where it's like, man, two two head coaches are like really good friends and there's just this rivalry. And Sean is saying, hey, isn't this fun? Even when he's lost how many consecutive games in the regular season? Was that the Rams losing to the Niners? Uh, eight. I thought that was. I thought that might have been number nine. Maybe it was nine. I thought the 49ers had won I, I, eight of the last nine. Maybe, so, but like a ridiculous number, right? And for Sean to be saying he's on the losing end of that, and goes, "Ah, oh, this is still fun." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. He must be enjoying this because he's got to be tired of losing." <laughs> so I just thought that was a fun little note. But going back to what you were saying, you're, you're right. I would say Reed and Mahomes are the only exception there. And they're always the exception. Yeah, totally. I mean, Belichick Brady could have done it too, right? But that that's really it. Um, yeah. Other 49ers defensive standouts. Isaiah Oliver, I don't know how I feel yep. about him. He obviously didn't have the most impressive camp. He Obviously, he had a big pick. That was fun. But other than that... That was, that was right place, right time, ready. Yeah. Not like a super skilled... I mean, there's there's skill to react and get the ball, and he, he did grab it with one hand. But it was a tip, and it was like, right place, right time. But, you know, an interception is an interception. You got to give it to him. Totally. But he did, because I was feeling the same thing about you. He made a mistake earlier in the game. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember being upset with Isaiah Oliver. Well, and he, then got as a, the game who, progressed, he let somebody run right through him. Was it Williams that just totally broke a tackle he never should have broken? I think Probably. Like, yeah, just poor tackling, I think, was the biggest thing out of out of Oliver. So he had the pick I think hides not a big dude. The the pick hides a bad game from Isaiah Oliver. The good news is I uh, we had a great game out of I thought Traverius Ward played one of the best games I've seen him play in the red and gold. And Diamador Lenore, phenomenal. Had a pick but also was just really, really present. He's just playing playing really well. So that's great to see. I don't I don't know. I think I mean, if the 49ers have a weak spot, if they make a trade, it's a nickel. It's for a nickel corner, right? I don't know if maybe you hope Ambry Thomas gets up to, to speed and can can come play outside instead of Lenore, and we move Lenore in. But that's the really the only spot on the defense I have any high levels of of concern on. So Isaiah Oliver is someone to keep watching for. Other than that, I I, I thought the defense played really well. That's just the the weak link I'm I'm worried about, and of course the sack numbers pretty disappointing. Hey, how many pass deflections do we expect to see on a weekly basis? Two or three? So the Niners had seven yesterday. Yeah, that's awesome. 
two from defensive so linemen out, is my favorite part. Last week there was four. I'm trying to figure out what's a normal amount of pass deflections per game. I don't know. I guess I haven't. It's not really seven. Into that's this. for sure. So last week the Niners have four, and the Steelers had. Uh, okay, they had five, but there was two for the corners. And then this week the Niners had seven. And the Rams had one. We had seven pass deflections, and the Rams had a whopping one. Yeah, that was that That's, was yeah. awesome. So I was just sc- scrolling through the stat scores, stat sheet, score sheet, and I saw seven pass deflections. But as, again, if you look on the stats, and it'll be ordered in the number of total tackles. And the top five guys who had the most five total tackles also had each one pass deflection. So that's Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Traverius Ward, Diamador Lenore, and Isaiah Oliver. But also you noted that defensive linemen Javon Kinlaw and Drake Jackson also had pass deflections. That you love to see. Kinlaw's was awesome. Just textbook, got his hand up. Just a great play. It was. And then it kind of made me think like, oh, Javon Kinlaw, you say? And then I was like, calm down, calm down. We got to see a little bit more of that for me to go anywhere with that. He's a great player, and he's he's still playing well. The final thing before we jump into our segments, we of course need to acknowledge 49ers fans. Thank you, as always, for taking over Levi South. That was a, I mean, that crowd was red. It was awesome. Sure was. Want to jump how, into... How red is there, so... Want to jump into Hufunga Kawabunga and then do a little nitpicking, and then we can uh, preview the 49ers' upcoming game on Thursday? I do. It's time for Hufunga Kawabunga. And that leads us to talking about my boy Talano Hufunga, who had five total tackles, two solo, and one of those tackles was absolutely huge. Oh, yeah. Because it was blowing up. Puka Nakua, or at least didn't necessarily blow him up, but absolutely when he, he, this is kind of the nitpicking part of it, I guess, as well. Hufunga went in with shoulder, not trying to wrap up, and just like bumped Nakua back two or three yards. And then the team brought him down like a pack of lions. It took took a few of them to bring him down. Um, but that was a huge play. That was a huge momentum shift in uh, that Rams drive as well. But this is one of the more uh, quieter games on the stat sheet for Hufunga. But what we always got to make sure we know on these games is, you know, we love to talk about the stats and to see what's on the paper. But again, certain times like, yeah, Isaiah Oliver got a pick. But it wasn't, you know, like the pick that Diamador Lenore had. Or sometimes guys get a sack, but it wasn't like Fred Warner's sack where that was unbelievable and a great defensive call to uh yesterday it was one of those games where hufunga isn't all over the stat sheet but he was at or getting to the the play where it was dead at the end of it or by the end of it every single down so what i mean by that is um fred warner will talk about this a lot any of the defensive guys will talk about um, I, I don't know exactly their phrase, but I think it's flocking the 11, something like that, to where every single play, no matter where the ball goes, all 11 guys on the field are going there 
even if you know if it's a run play way out right and Traverius Ward is all the way across the field on the left, he's got to be at the end of the ball. He's got to be to the ball by the end of the play or before he's done going after it, right? Like we, we get to the ball no matter what. All of us flock together, and that's what Hufunga does so well. You could argue him being a safety enables him to do that more, but sometimes it actually makes it harder because it draws him away. But he's always there at the end of the play, and you can even see if you watch long enough on the screen or if the camera angle stays long enough, if the play is dead and guys are on the ground and slowly getting up, he's like just coming down from his sprint, and he's still getting there to the zone. And it's kind of like a discipline thing for him, and I think that speaks so much to his character. Timmy, any other notes on Hufunga? No, I think, didn't he drop a pick? Wasn't that him? We had two defenders in the end zone who kind of bobbled a ball back and forth. That would have been fun to grab, but I think Hufunga's an awesome yeah, player. He was an all-pro last year for a reason. It absolutely would have been fun. It would have been fun, but it was one of those things I think it showed up in his vision at the last second, so it wasn't a true expectation in my mind for him to him to snag that one. Absolutely. All right, let's, let's move over to, I'm just going to call it nitpicking. I have two offensive nitpicks. Do you want to, I do one, you do one, rotate, or do you want me to just drop both of mine? Uh, let me hear both of yours. I'm curious if, if I have a different one. Number one. And I'll let you know if it's the same. Number one, I'm a little worried about Brock Purdy's deep balls. Uh, we had a fair amount yep. of overthrows, which is not the concern we expected to have, right? We totally thought that it would be underthrows, right? We totally thought he would be having... Uh, issues with arm strength coming off that elbow injury, but that was not the case today. We had a couple bad overthrows on on some really wide open receivers that could have been big plays potentially going into. Uh, I mean, they could have been potential touchdowns, right? So some overthrows there, not a huge concern, but something to keep an eye on. Would love to see Purdy clean those up, and I expect to. Number two, what's going on with these snaps? I don't know if it's Jake Brendel's yep. fault, if it's Purdy's fault, but we had two. I mean, Purdy fumbled one, just barely got on it. And then we had the one that bounced off of George Kittle in motion to Christian McCaffrey. There was some sort of miscommunicating going on between Jake Brendel and Brock Purdy yesterday. And I, I'm not like freaking out about it, but I'd like to, I would like to not see it anymore. You know, I, I do know. Um, I would agree with those. I actually forgot to make a note about the, the snaps, but I definitely, as you said, and I remember uh, having that thought during the game. I'm like, okay, we had that problem with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it certainly felt like I know he fumbled yesterday as well, I thought. Um, not a great game from him for the Raiders. Um, but it's absolutely uh, the deep balls. I was even watching the game, and, and my dad was not happy camper when uh, it was an overthrown touchdown to Debo Samuel and Samuel had room. Debo beat his guy and was there, and it would have been an easy touchdown, but the ball was at least five yards, if not more, ahead of him. Yeah. So that was tough. Um, and I, that's not even – yeah, I, I know you changed the, the title of it this week because that's not even nitpicking dominance. That's – and I, w- I don't even think that's nitpicking. That's, that is an area of growth, an, op- an area of opportunity, as you could say. Um some much needed growth there. And I, I I get that the deep balls, you know, I think it's if we're gonna just pick apart that one overthrown touchdown, I would say, hey, let's calm down. Yes, they are professional football players, but we're gonna see 
overthrows. We're going to see missed throws. Like, we got to give some grace. And maybe that's unfair for me to say because I didn't really give Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of grace. But that's a different scenario where it's time in and time out again. Well, and we're paying Um, Brock a lot less than we were paying Garoppolo. So I'm willing to put up a little more for that. That's a fair point. Um, All right. Yeah, and Garoppolo had a lot more. A lot more stock, a lot more expectations, all this stuff. So good note. All in all, the headline here is this was a good win from the 49ers. The score does not tell the whole story. The game was never in doubt in the second half. And I, I think it's going to turn out that the Rams are a good team. And we'll we'll see if that's right. But yeah. So moving along to preview the 49ers next game. The 49ers play on Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. If, if you don't know anymore, it's on Amazon Prime. How do we feel about that? I don't mind it. Uh, I don't. I wish it was on it. I wish they broadcast it on TV too. But I don't. I don't mind streaming it on Prime. But it's also the only reason I I still pay for Amazon Prime. You know, I get that. I'm I'm bummed. Uh, I have so I'm getting listeners. I'm getting married this weekend, Woo-hoo! and I will not be on the the podcast uh, this next week. It'll be Timmy, Timmy and Timmy, um, me myself and I in in that sense. But in the life of Timmy. Okay, moving on. Uh, and it's on Thursday, and so we have a, a, a welcome party on Thursday, like right the same time as the game. And I'm like, really? The one Thursday they play, at least this early, I, I have something? Gosh dang it. So and it's a lot of restaurants we'll probably, don't have the, the Thursday night football games on anymore because of the whole Amazon Prime situation. <laughs> and yeah, it drives me nuts. So I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it on the plane. Well, I won't be able to wait that long. But yeah, watch it that night or something on Sunday ticket. But yeah, so the 49ers Thursday night taking on the New York Giants, who looked obviously abysmal in the first three halves they played this year. I mean, they got absolutely murdered by the Cowboys, didn't score a point. Then the Arizona Cardinals, the presumptive worst team in the league, uh, helmed currently by Josh Dobbs, who joined the team a week before week one. Uh, put up, what, 28 unanswered points on the Giants in the first half. And then the Giants just kind of came out of nowhere and and led a comeback. Now, it was a comeback against the league's worst team, so I'm not super worried about it. But the Giants did win. They're sitting at 1-1. One and one. Obviously, the Giants performed way above expectations last year. They seem to be performing below it this year. Saquon Barkley running back, their best player, dealing with an ankle injury. I will be surprised if he plays on Thursday, personally. So will be very something to keep an eye on. I think this is going to be a a route, Daniel. I don't think this is going this is going to be much more similar to the Steelers game than the Rams game. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going to be a beatdown. I think that my fantasy team is going to be really hurting without Saquon playing. That's what I think. Uh Yeah, it's it's hard because the Giants lost 40 to 0 in week one, and then they came out against the Cardinals, and they were down, I thought it was, at least I saw reports, it was at least 20-0, to zero. and then, then I thought they got a score when it was 20-0, to zero, but they were 60-0 to zero for the first uh, six quarters of the season. That's one of the most disgusting stats I've seen. But this next week, moving forward, we're really not sure, I'm not really sure of what kind of Giants team we're going to get, but if Saquon is out, I do think that is going to be very tough. Now, Matt Breida is still technically the backup there. And then Eric Gray. Matt Breida. What a name we him. haven't heard in a while. No, but he he's done. I mean, he had one, one rush yesterday, and uh, it was for five yards. But I will say, uh, I know they had a really bummer start yesterday, but Daniel Jones had a bounce-back game 
especially after having a really, really a great, tough start a great to the game. second half from Daniel Jones. Yeah, it was a it was a Frank Reich like halftime comeback in that sense, except for the same guy. So, um, what we can note about the Giants' offense is Daniel Jones. I think is pretty legit. I think he's a threat. I think he's a threat in the air and on the ground. He had a rushing touchdown yesterday. He had nine attempts for 59 yards. He threw the ball 37 times, had 26 completions. That's a that's um, a really good note. Daniel Jones doesn't always get the credit for it, but he is a legitimate threat in the ground game. And obviously Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, is a phenomenal NFL offensive mind. So it's going to be well coached. Really and the, the 49ers have historically not performed the best against mobile quarterbacks. Obviously, I, I, I don't expect them to have much of an issue, but if... If the defense has an issue, it's probably going to be because of Jones in the ground game. So I'm really glad you called that out. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is absolutely a, a, a deep threat. So we got to be ready for him. Um, and they just got the Giants got a lot of different guys. They don't have other than Saquon and Darren Waller gets a lot of credit, a lot of talk. I haven't, you know, I'm not trying to dog on Darren Waller, but he had six receptions for 76 yards, but. I just sometimes am, am not seeing, you know, fantasy-wise, he always gets talked about as being one of the top guys. And I go, he's probably one of the top guys, but I'm not as worried against playing him as I am some of these other receivers. Like, uh, Tight end. Walnut Creek native. What did I say? Wait, who's the uh, – you said receiver. Who's the Walnut Creek native? Um, Isaiah Hodgins. Really? He's from Walnut Creek? He, he went to Berean Christian High School. Wait, Really? Isaiah Hodgins went to Berean Christian High School. Yep. How did I know He got a touchdown that? last week, and he is my he's my sleeper for fantasy. All I picked him up in one of my dynasty league in my dynasty league with Timmy last year, and I've got him in all my other leagues as like my last pick. And he got a touchdown yesterday, and he's going to be that guy where he might not be the leading yardage receiver, um, but he's he's going to get touchdowns from week to week, and that's what's tough about this Giants offense is there's so many guys who are all kind of in the same level or uh, in the same playing field in terms of targets and whatnot. So that's what's to look out for there. Um, this defense doesn't scare me a whole lot. They've got some, some no. guys on it for sure. They've got one good Dexter defensive Lawrence. lineman who's Dexter Lawrence. Thank you. That was the name that was escaping me. If I had mm. waited 30 seconds, wouldn't have embarrassed myself. Yeah, he he's the big... The big ticket there, so just got to be ready for him. But, I mean, we just handled Aaron Donald well enough, so I think Dexter Lawrence would be okay. But, again, no Saquon will be huge because then Matt Breida, we'll see how he does, and especially against the Niners' defense, that does great against the run. Eric Gray, I assume, will get his first rushing attempts of the season. Um, but I expect the Giants to throw the ball a lot, or I expect Daniel Jones to run a lot if Saquon is out. So Totally. Traverius and, and Hufunga and the rest of the secondary got to be ready for that. I expect to see um, Warner and Greenlaw in coverage a lot more. I know Warner got a sack on that that rush, uh, that blitz that he did. I don't think the linebackers will be blitzing as much this next week. I think they'll be in the secondary a lot more, um, or at least maybe Warner will be in charge of Daniel Jones and making sure he's contained a lot more. Yeah. Agreed. Want to get to bold predictions before we wrap up today's episode? I do. I just want to make sure. Do we know of any injuries? Uh, I no. I don't think so, man. There might have been one, but Samuel not- Womack was out. Yeah. 
But that's about it. Yeah, I don't. I I can't think of any. I was I was looking online. Let me. I mean, yeah, TDP was out. Coach's decision. So they, they, these are, these are all the guys that were just listed out. Okay, so the one. Okay, we've got a couple. Um, well, I guess just one from this last week. Samuel Womack was put on injured reserve. He's got a knee injury, so he will be out. That was effective on Saturday. Um, Robert Beal Jr. was put on IR a week prior, and then we already know Danny Gray's on injured reserve. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I'm gonna stop talking there before I do anything jinx wise. But yeah, knock knock. Bold, bold predictions. What do you got for us? I I think let's get a hmm. I mean, let's say Nick Bosa multiple sacks. Got to do it. He's he's ready. This Giants O line is not ready for him. I'm saying Bosa two or more sacks in on Thursday night. I was gonna say we got to go over our ours from last week. You said two Bosa sacks last week, and I didn't. I'm doubling down. You're doubling, so you're doing four? No, I'm doing two. <laughs> That'd be cool. I will say Andrew Thomas, that I believe he's their left tackle, and then Evan Neal on the right. I think they do have some good O-line guys, but, again, I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Bosa here. Um, I had a twofer last week. I had a Debo touchdown, got that one, and I said the Niners W over two touchdowns, and that was incorrect. It was just one and I think I was I was unprepared for this Rams offense. And uh, it's time for a Kittle TD. And gosh, I guess I should predict that Elijah Mitchell gets more than two attempts. Um, but I'll go with a, a Kittle touchdown. And I don't really think the Niner, the Niners, the Giants secondary is that good. I know they've got Xavier McKinney in a safety. I believe Pinnock is their other safety. He had a lot of tackles yesterday, but I don't I don't think it's it's crazy skilled. So I'm going to say I really want to see Purdy throw. This is more of a hope than it is a prediction, but we're going to go with Purdy gets 300 yards in the air. That's a big one. I like it. So uh yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm uh, way more confident about this Kittle touchdown than I am Purdy throwing for over 300 yards, but that's what I want to see. Yeah, works works for me. Uh, that's that's all from us today, but go, go 49ers. Enjoy Thursday night football. And, of course, congratulations, Daniel, from me and all of us listeners on your upcoming nuptials. Oh, thanks, listeners. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll see you, I'll see you guys. Hear you guys in uh, two weeks. Yeah, you'll be missed. Go Niners. And uh, yes, yeah, stay safe out there, listeners. <laughs>